Next on Abounding Grace, be encouraged to tune your ears to hear God's voice. It's not that God doesn't want to speak, and it's not that he's unwilling to reveal. It's not that he's holding back on us. It may be that we're just not in tune spiritually, that most of our mind and most of our attention is filled with worldly things. Just you know, don't think of worldly as necessarily all kinds of sinful things, although it could. It's just we're just not in tune to the Spirit. We're more in tune to the culture than we are to the Spirit. We're more in tune to our hobby than we are to the Spirit. We're more in tune to something else than we are to the Word of God and to hearing what God has already spoken. You know, some of you might even be in a wait mode where you, I want the Lord to speak, I want the Lord to speak, but you so neglect your Bible that He speaks every time you open the Bible. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Hi there, friend. It is great to be with you and welcome again to Abounding Grace. We'll hand things off to our teacher, Pastor Ed Taylor, in a moment. Maybe you've noticed there are all sorts of voices in the culture competing for our attention today. So how do you filter the bad out and tune in to God's voice? Well, that's what we're about to find out as we turn to 2 Kings 4. Just like Elisha, we can tune into the spiritual realm and hear God's gentle whisper. In verse 27, I found it was interesting. In verse 27, notice, when she, when, when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came to push her away. The man of God said, let her alone. Her soul's in deep distress. And then look at this phrase, the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. There is this statement that whatever's going on in her life, God has hidden it from me. And it's almost as if Elisha is expressing this sense that normally God reveals things to him. And he might be a little surprised here or a little concerned. No, God has hidden it from me. Almost like he has this expectation, like in the past, that God would reveal it to him, just like previously God had revealed to him that she would have a baby in a year. I mean, a tremendous revelation. But why she's running with sorrow and sadness, he says, I don't know what's going on. And he refers to that as the Lord has hidden it from me. And he's a little surprised that he doesn't know what God is doing. And I began to think about that in my own life. In my own life, it's usually the opposite. For me personally, I'm surprised at times when God reveals things to me. I'm usually caught off guard. I'm usually caught off guard by things. And it's not that I'm not praying, although that's sometimes. So like, Lord, if I remember one time praying you know, that a situation was going on and it all went down and it didn't go down too well. And I was just lamenting to the Lord on the way into the office one morning, a year or so, maybe a couple years ago, and just like, Lord, why didn't you do this? And why didn't you show me this? And why didn't you reveal this to me? And why do I have to learn it this way? And why couldn't you just show? And it was almost like, you know, everything was silent and, and the car was silent and I was silent and I could sense the Lord saying, I did reveal it to you, and he gave me the point when he revealed it to me. He reminded me in my mind and my memory when he showed me exactly what was going on, and I responded in a way that was not reflective of what he was showing me. 
I was walking, and you know, we've been taught, and I believe this to be true, and this is how my heart is, and, and I desire it to be in my life, that if you're going to err in ministry and serving people, that you should err on the side of grace, and to be gracious, so that even if you're going to make a mistake, you know, make a mistake in honoring and loving people, and be gracious, and that's something that I've adopted in my life. I want, if I'm going to make a mistake, I, want to be, I don't want to be harsh. I don't want to make a mistake harshly. I don't want to make a mistake, which I've done, and it's very bad. I don't, that God has been very gracious to me in forgiving me for some of those mistakes in the past, and so I, I, I want to err on the side of grace, and yet there's something higher than erring on the side of grace, and that's obeying God when he speaks. And he just reminded me, and he was just very gentle. He's like, here you are lamenting, and it's you and me in the car. But Ed, I did show you. I did show you. And he even gave me the words and the vocabulary and everything of what was going on in the time. But Elisha, he was so tuned into the spiritual realm that, that when he doesn't know something, he's like, God's hidden it from me, as if God's always revealing stuff to him. And, and that's part of, that's, the, that's kind of the desire that I have. And it's similar to Elijah. God does want to speak to you. God does want to reveal things in your life. God does want to give you insight into the spiritual realm. God does want to lead you personally, specifically in the situation you're in right now. God does want to reveal to you things that are hidden and in the shadows. God does want to speak. Now, don't, don't misunderstand us because sometimes there's the criticisms that, that when you're open to the work of the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit is speaking as if God is still writing the Bible. God is not still writing the Bible. The Bible is done. It's known as something as the canon of Scripture. So that when we say that the Lord is speaking, He's not adding to the Bible. The Bible says of itself that we have been received the faith that's been once and for all delivered to the saints. So that you know when God is speaking, He won't contradict the Scriptures. He, he won't say that the Holy Spirit giving you that gentle nudge or that gentle impression or, or causing a scripture to come into life in you or, or just like that conversation in the car as if the Lord was saying to me, Ed, I did show you. I did show you. And then remind me exactly when he did show me years prior. He's not adding to the Bible. He's speaking to his boy and he's comforting him and saying, you don't need to pray like this anymore, Ed. You don't need to pray. On this situation, you don't need to pray anymore. I'm going to tell you how it is, and then I'm going to enable you that if you look to me and walk in the Spirit, you won't make that mistake again. And, and yet, God does sometimes does hold information back from us. It's His will and His prerogative of what to reveal to us and what not to reveal to us. In those times of silence, in those times of waiting, you know, what, what is God doing? He's just building our dependence upon Him, and we're going to wait on Him. And we're going to trust him in the darkness. We're going to trust God in the light, but you're also going to trust God in the darkness. You're going to trust God up on the mountaintop when it's great and it's devotion and you're worshiping and your hands are lifted up as much as you're going to trust God in the valley. When your head is down and your tears are flowing and the pain is hurting, you're going to trust God. You and I are going to trust God every, every, everything in between. Elisha, part of what I believe gave him insight to the spiritual realm is what Elijah do you remember what it was said of Elijah? Do you guys, it wasn't too long ago that we learned this in 2 Kings chapter 6, where it says, excuse me, in 1 Kings chapter 6, it says, let us, O Lord, one of the officers replied, well, excuse me, this is describing Elisha in 2 Kings in a couple chapters. Let, let us, it's not us, my Lord, one of the officers replied, Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom 
is the kind of insight that God was giving Elisha. And so it's not that God doesn't want to speak, and it's not that he's unwilling to reveal. It's not that he's holding back on us. It may be that we're just not in tune spiritually, that most of our mind and most of our attention is filled with worldly things. Just you know, don't think of worldly as necessarily all kinds of sinful things, although it could. It's just we're just not in tune to the Spirit. We're more in tune to the culture than we are to the Spirit. We're more in tune to our hobby than we are to the Spirit. We're more in tune to something else than we are to the Word of God and to hearing what God has already spoken. You know, some of you might even be in a wait mode where you, I want the Lord to speak, I want the Lord to speak, but you so neglect your Bible that He speaks every time you open the Bible. Don't wait for a word from heaven. Just open up your Bible and start reading it. God speaks. And most likely He has a word for you. If you open the Bible and you ask God to speak to you, He will speak to you. And He will not only speak to you, but He will take the Scriptures and pinpoint them to the most relevant part of your life. He'll begin to reveal things in you that you didn't even know needed to be revealed. He'll begin to affirm things in you that you didn't even know needed to be affirmed. He'll begin to convict you of sin that you didn't even know you needed to be convicted of. He's ready to speak. Elisha knew what was going on in bedrooms, what was secrets and whispers is the idea. Things that they were trying to be hidden and in the darkness and in the shadows. God knows. How did Elisha know? Because God knows. And how does Elisha know what God knows? Because his ears were tuned to him. That's the reality. Just trusting him and pressing into him. In 1 Kings chapter 19, we have that insight where Elijah was discouraged. He ran to the caves. And remember what the Bible says? That there was an earthquake and a fire. There was a great wind. And Elijah, none of, those things were, none of those things were the methods that God wanted to speak to him. How was it that God wanted to speak to Elijah? A still small voice. To quiet ourselves. Elijah had to sort out the dramatic, loud, and overwhelming winds and earthquakes and fires around him to tune into the gentle whisper, still small voice of the Lord to him in the caves, which is exactly what happens in trials and turmoil. We got we to sort through all the trial, all the emotions, all the feelings, all the responses, all the things outside of our control. It's just all earthquakes and fire and all kinds of things around us. And the Lord is just calming us down to hear his still small voice. I mean, some of you are here today. Some of you are tuned into this Bible study today. Some of you are listening to me because you have a question that you want God to answer. You have a thought that you want God to confirm. You, you have a desire that you, you desire. It, you have a desire where you want God to give you direction on. You, you might even have a question that is super hard to answer. And you have come to hear a word from the Lord. Not just a Bible study where God is speaking in general sense from his text, because he has his text here and, and for us to be in it today just for a purpose and just for a time. But many of you, as you should, and we should come expecting to hear from the Lord. We should come expecting to have a word to speak into our family, to have a word to speak to our kids, to have a word for our grandkids, to have a word for our neighbors, to have a word for our future, to have a word for our past, so that God would just speak to us. So like, Lord, I'm not just, I just don't want theology. I just I just don't want knowledge. I want you. I want you to speak. I want you to take whatever we're in, Second Kings, Hebrews, a topical Bible study, whatever guest brings in, whatever song is sung, speak to me, Lord. 
because it gets lonely on the earth and it gets hard on the earth and, and, and it gets to the place where, you know, I want to throw in the towel. And then you, you begin to think, well, God isn't speaking anymore. God isn't speaking anymore. But, but can we get by Elisha one day? Will God do that in our lives where Elisha will come to us, where it'll happen with Elisha? And we go, man, God revealed something in this sister before, but he's hidden for him and he's hidden it from me now. It's, it's almost as if when God's ready to reveal it, he'll reveal it. But he was a little surprised. Some of you have already received a word. Some of you are still waiting. But I'm here today to remind us, all of us and encourage all of us that the Holy Spirit still speaks and he still leads and he still guides. But I'm also here to remind you that the Holy Spirit can still be quenched and the Holy Spirit can still be grieved and the Holy Spirit can still be ignored and our consciences can still be seared as if with a hot iron. And it's really dependent upon the choices that we make. Because God still wants to speak. He wants to take his timeless word and speak it right into the 21st century. He wants to take his timeless word as we tune our ears to the gentle whisper of God's loving word and direction for us. And for those of you that are unfamiliar perhaps with the gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit of God speaking, then just begin when you open up your Bible, just begin with the prayer. God, would you please speak to me? And just ask that prayer on a regular, would you please? I'm about to read here in Acts, like I was this morning in Acts 17. I'm about to ready to read Acts 17 this morning. God, would you speak to me? And there he was, reminding me of the Bereans and their desire to be noble and to check the things that Paul, they just had that part about them. I think about the Thessalonians who had, Thessalonians who had three uh, weeks with Paul the Apostle, just receiving the word, receiving it gladly. And just knowing that there is still that blessing for those of us that receive gladly. There's still that blessing for those of us that receive God's teachers into our lives, that we might learn and humble ourselves and submit to what God wants to do. If you open your Bible and you begin to ask God to speak to you, you will hear the voice of the Lord. And, and if you open the Bible and you read through a chapter and you say, I don't, I didn't hear from God today, then I just suggest that you reread the chapter. And you read it a second time, you go, I didn't hear from God. I just suggest you reread the chapter, that you commit yourself to not get up from the chair until you hear from the Lord. And it doesn't have to be anything like earth shattering. It could just be one new lesson about the character of God. One new lesson about your life. One new lesson about a, a, a church. Uh, one new lesson about, you know, one of the things that keeps coming up over and over as I'm reading through the book of Acts this time through in the New Living Translation for my devos, one of the things, one of the words that keeps popping up over and over and over again as the ministry of Paul the Apostle, the, the word that they kept choosing, I haven't compared it yet with the New King James, but the word they keep choosing to, to describe the anger and frustration of people that kept going after Paul is the word jealous. And it just keeps coming up in almost every chapter. Whenever there's persecution to Paul, it was because they were jealous of him. I'm like, wow, that's a tremendous insight. The, the ravaging, painful, destructive work of jealousy in a person's life. That it will lead you to destroy rather than to build up. There's a lot you can learn as you just see the same word over and over again. And the Holy Spirit says, don't be jealous, Ed. 
don't be jealous. So it's not just jealousy for them. And so read your Bible and ask God to speak. And as you read your Bible and you begin to confirm, maybe even writing in the margins of your Bible, the date and the thing that God spoke to you. The date, like maybe you see a word and, and you could write in the margin, God made me see this word on this date. And just write it down. That was what? He just made a word jump off the page. And then you turn to the next one. And man, it seems like every three pages, it's the same word. And by the time three or four words come up, you, you sit down and go to maybe blueletterbible.org and you start doing a word study. What does this word mean? I know what it means in the English, but if you're in the New Testament, what does it mean in the Greek? If you're in the Old Testament, what does it mean in the Hebrew? And begin to let the Holy Spirit, man, I'm, you present yourself to God. God's ready to speak if you're ready to listen. And isn't it true? He's always speaking. The Word of God is always going forward. The Holy Spirit's in us, ministering to us and leading us. And I, I know that God wants to speak to you. I know He wants to encourage you. I know He wants to exhort you and comfort you. And I know He wants to confirm in you. I know He wants to change directions. And I know He wants to crush broken, hard hearts. And He wants to heal broken hearts. And He wants to do all sorts of things if you will just turn your ear to Him. And perhaps one day you'll just be surprised that God didn't show you something. Instead of saying, oh, God never speaks to me, perhaps God's going to take you to the place, man, I can't, why isn't God speaking to me? What's going on? He usually reveals things to me. But not this one. Notice in verse 29, he says to Gehazi, get yourself ready, take my staff. He sends him. We already read that. And then the mother of the child, verse 30, said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And so he arose and followed her. And Gehazi, verse 31, went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore, he went back to meet him and told him, the child hasn't awakened, verse 32. And Elijah came into the house. There was the child lying dead on his bed. And he went in, therefore, and shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and he laid on that child. And he put his mouth on his mouth and his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. And he returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out on him. And the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite woman. And he called her. And when he came in, when she came into him, he said, pick up your son. And she went in, fell at his feet, bowed to the ground, and she picked up her son and went out. <laughs> what a miracle. Wow, what a glorious miracle. Now, there's a couple of things in here we don't have time to develop. But, you know, some people will come to this text and they'll say, well, look, uh, in verse 35, the child sneezed seven times. And they'll make some weird doctrine about sneezing seven times, you know. And so they'll be listening. And if someone sneezes six times, they'll wait for the seventh. And then, you know, they'll make some doctrine out of that. Uh, I, I don't see that. And, and I, I want one day, I think I'm going to develop a message on this. But this is what I saw. And, and again, we're not going to have time because we're just kind of overviewing. But I was really struck with verse 34. You know, the servant did what he was told to do. He took the staff, he laid it on the kid. That staff was, some, was a symbol of authority. Uh, it was even a symbol of power to the person that held it. But nothing happened. He obeyed, nothing happened. So that's, that's, that's an interesting insight. But then when Elisha comes, he does something different. He doesn't just take the staff. And he says, well, let me show you how to do it. Put the staff on. He approaches it completely different. For Gehazi, that was what, what he told him to do. The, the, the child didn't arise. But, but for him, in verse 34, he comes up and he goes and lays on the child. 
He puts his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands, and he stretches himself out on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. To me, verse 34 has so much to speak of true pastoral care, just care of people to people. There's the word portion of it, mouth to mouth. There's the eye portion of it, where Jesus spoke of eyes being the windows of the soul, the, showing us where, what's inside of us, and eye to eye. Even our own culture makes great value on eye contact, doesn't it? And, and then from, from mouth to mouth, from eye to eye, and then his hands, that's serving, hands on hands, serving one another, and getting involved in people's lives. And he says, and he stretched himself out, it's, it's almost, it's like, it's like all, his, all his decorum, everything about being a prophet of God that speaks for God is just thrown out, of the, out the window and he's just desperately stretches himself out and completely commits himself to trusting in God for this miracle. Mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands, stretching him out and then the Lord worked. And again, I haven't developed it. Maybe one day I will. It just stuck out to me of the beauty of what that can become if you really truly seek to get involved in someone's life. It's going to take mouth to mouth and eye to eye, hands to hands. And it's going to take in one person's, on one person's part that, that desire to stretch out and completely commit yourself upon a person that's suffering. And in this case, in a very real way, it was dead. And the Lord showed up. And God gets the glory. And it says in verse 37, she picked up her son and went out. Just beautiful. You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed, today you were speaking about tuning our ears to hear God's voice. And perhaps someone listening right now is wondering, I think it's God speaking to me about a certain matter, but it's not really covered specifically in the Bible. How do I really know it's God's voice? Would you touch on that briefly? Well, I can say, Larry, that there are many, many things where we are not going to be able to open the Bible and quote a verse that's specifically, like for example, should I go to the supermarket and purchase a Snickers bar? Well, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, yes, Ed, go buy a Snickers. It's not going to be that way, right? So many times we don't look specifically to the precept of the word, but we look to the principle of the word. And so we want to take our decisions and factor them through a, a grid of, you know, is this anti-biblical? Is it forbidden in the scriptures? Uh, is it spoken of in the scriptures? And if it's not spoken of in the scriptures, then what is the heart of God on the matter? What is his principle? What has he taught? What examples has he given? What examples has he shown us to say, this is a wise decision or this is an unwise decision? And one of the things that God gives us, in addition to uh, his word, both by principle and by precept, is peace. A peace of God that passes all understanding, that it might rule in our hearts, the Bible says. And that word rule could be translated an umpire. You know, if I have an uneasy feeling about it and I don't have a peace of God about it, then I, I won't do it. Now, let me just caution here that we can't throw that around like, well, I have a peace of God so I can do whatever I want. 
you can have a peace that isn't from God. It's your own self-deception. Uh, you you know you might say, oh, well, I have a peace, but but you're you're getting a, you're you're wanting to steal, or you are not valuing life, and you want to value life because God values life, and that peace that you have is not from God. So, principles of God in His Word, the precepts of God in His Word, and the peace of God are some of the things I'm looking for in the gray areas of life. That's very helpful. Thank you, Pastor Ed. Have you made a New Year's resolution? Many of us have, but perhaps you're frustrated as you're finding it hard to break free of a stubborn habit. We'd like to offer some help in the form of a book by Erwin Lutzer. It's called How to Break a Stubborn Habit. In it, he provides practical tools that will help you find the freedom you desperately want to have from those nasty, bad habits. We'll send you a copy when you support the Ministry of Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more today. We can't thank you enough for your support, especially as we begin another year on this station. It's a step of faith, and we continually ask the Lord for His provision. We can be reached toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or turn to calvaryaurora.org. We'll have another look into Second Kings next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Set aside another half hour to join us tomorrow. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado. 